0: Lucy. And I'm Diana, and I, you know, like Lucy. And this is My Favorite Redhead, the podcast where I show Diana every I Love Lucy episode in order, and then we discuss them
1: together until she and all of you love Lucy too. This week's episode was number 23, The Moustache. So the episode begins with Lucy primping at the mirror. Uh, she and Ricky are waiting for the Mertzes to come over because they're gonna go out together. Ricky's in the bathroom and he's shaving. And then he comes out and he gives Lucy a kiss and she's like, "Oh, you're all stubbly. <laughs> he's like, what are you talking about, my mustache? And she's like, you're what now? Lucy hates his mustache. And so she's like, go back in there and shave that nasty thing off. And he's like, no, you watch. It's going to grow on you. Well, <laughs> you're going to like it eventually once it gets stronger. <laughs> And he, like, uses her eyebrow pencil to, like, color it in, and she's like, no, I hate it, and she has some quotes, but I'm really trying hard not to list off all of my favorite quotes before we get to that part, so this is personal growth, you guys. It only took 23 episodes for me to get my shit together.
0: I also have thoughts about the eyebrow pencil.
1: <laughs> so we have a cute little moment of weaponized kissing here, which I- th- she kissed him, and I thought it was her, like, being like, hey, honey- go shave that off but it was actually she was just trying to burn it off yeah.
0: <laughs> it might have worked
1: i mean <laughs> yeah then the mertzes do come over and she's like well let's see what they think about it. and he's like okay but don't say anything to them like don't put any thoughts in their heads and she opens the door and she's immediately like, immediately like settle this for us and he's like oh <laughs> geez lucy well they notice pretty quickly that he's got his little pencil mustache and both mertzes like it quite a bit and Lucy throws a little tantrum and decides that she won't leave until Ricky shaves it off. So Ethel's like, well, I'll stay with you and the boys go out, which I have thoughts about this whole scene. Mm. In, in a nutshell, good for Ricky. So while they're gone, Ethel and Lucy connive about what they're going to do about uh, Ricky's awful mustache. Ethel suggests ripping it off and Lucy's like, no, that's extreme. So she, her plan is to put on a fake beard, or a fake mustache, and refuse to take it off until Ricky shaves. And Ethel's like, you've outdone yourself, which is very funny to me. She
0: outdoes herself every week. Yes, which is like, <laughs> how
1: long have you guys been friends? Also, I think I can think of a couple of more extreme <laughs> schemes than this one. So the next scene is the Mercus come over they're all excited and Lucy's in the back room and they come over and Fred has brought her a beard from his vaudeville days and she's gonna (laughs) cut it off just so there's a mustache but he's like no no it's too expensive you gotta wear the whole thing she's like I can't wear the whole thing he's well why not and she says well why not so they glue the beard to her face with a bit of spirit gum and she waits for Ricky to come home so Ricky comes home and she comes up to him and he's not paying attention. And then she's like, aren't you going to kiss me? And he turns around and screams.
0: <laughs> it was super chill.
1: It was. It was very <laughs> chill. And he immediately hates it. And so there's this back and forth battle of wills about, you know, well, I'm not going to shave mine off. Well, I'm not going to shave mine off until you shave yours off. It's ridiculous. In the end, <laughs> Ricky can't stand it. So he decides to shave his and Lucy gives him the the shaver. In the living room, which I was just like, oh now there's stubble all over your carpet <laughs> and in your couch. Like what what who wrote that joke? That was that was not Madeline who wrote that joke.
0: No, probably not. No. But I, I can't say for sure I wasn't there.
1: Well, I'm gonna put money on it, it wasn't <laughs> Madeline who wrote that joke.
0: She's the funniest one.
1: She is as we learned. But also, I don't know, maybe it's just me, but I just that was just horrifying just to imagine <laughs> all that. Yeah. And it was really sad, because now Ricky's pouting, and he's, like, rubbing his lips. It was so cute. It was so sad. sad. Yeah. (laughs) So Lucy's like, all right, fine. So she tries to pull the beard off, but it won't come off. So she calls Fred, and she's like, how old is that stuff? Who knows how it reacts after however many years? And he's like, oh, yeah, I used that back in 1925. (laughs) But it should be fine. So Ricky goes and gets the bottle from the room. And when he comes back, it's actually Bulldog Cement. Yeah. So she's actually basically super glued to her her face. And Ricky just howls because he's a very supportive and very mature man. So he's like, you know, what? okay, 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 okay. So he calls a drugstore to ask if they have this spirit gum remover.
0: Bulldog cement remover number three. Right.
1: And the drugstore has heard it, but of course they don't make it anymore. So he says there's only one thing to do, and that's to get her a job in the circus. (laughs) So the whole reason why he's wearing this mustache to begin with is because he's got this idea that he's going to get cast in the movie. called um, was it? Moon, Moon over Baghdad? Baghdad. Yeah. Because yeah. there's a talent scout who's going to be in town who is tangentially related to someone that he knows. <laughs> and so he's already got it in his head that he's going to be cast in this movie, and so I guess he needed a mustache for that. So the Mertzes get very excited about this casting opportunity because, of course, you know... Fred has his vaudeville days, and he can't wait to be back performing in front of crowds. And Ethel has a background in what we today would consider a culturally insensitive dance character that she had. So they're both very excited about this talent scout going to be in town and palin around with Ricky. Ethel had a lot
0: of acts that she did. It wasn't just the insensitive dance. Yeah, was it's just that one that she was
1: showcasing. In for, for uh, a character who I would presumably be yeah. living in Baghdad.
0: They said Baghdad, so the three of them were just like, let's just pull out all the stops. Yeah. Be as silly as possible.
1: So the next scene, Ethel comes over to find Lucy, and Lucy comes in from the outside, dressed as a distinguished southern gentleman named Colonel Ricardo. <laughs> and Ethel has an idea, which, of course, is ripping it off. And Lucy doesn't care for that, so she gets up to light a cigarette in this very glamorous filter, I have to say. I have a thing about cigarette filters. I'm not a smoker, but I love those really long ones.
0: Mm-hmm. very dramatic.
1: Yeah, opera length. You know, mm-hmm. they, they class lengths of, of cigarette filter along the same rubric as gloves. Yeah. I love that. The really long ones are the opera length ones. I need to get myself one now. So Lucy doesn't like that Lucy doesn't like the idea of ripping it off, but when she lights the cigarette, that gives Ethel a different idea, which is of course fire. <laughs> so Lucy doesn't like that one either. Fred shows up and he says he's found the remover in Chicago, but he's having an air mail then it'll come in tomorrow. Ricky calls and says, I've met up with a talent scout. He's coming over to spend the evening with us at our house. And Lucy's like, that's great. Wait, no, not tonight, not tonight. So he says, well, the guy's leaving tomorrow, so it kind of has to be tonight. And Lucy's like, oh, what am I going to do about my beard? And he's like, well, that's a you problem. (laughs) (laughs) Sucks a suck. Yeah. So the Mertzes get very excited and they run out. And Lucy takes a pair of scissors to Fred's beard, which I was like, no, that's an expensive (laughs) beard.
0: He's had it since the 20s. I think he's gotten some use out of it. Well, yeah, but
1: if he wouldn't let her cut the mustache off of it, like, is he going to want the whole thing trimmed?
0: No, he definitely isn't, but I think at this point she didn't care what he wanted.
1: That's very clear. <laughs> so the Scout comes home with Ricky, and he's relaxing, and Ricky sits on his portfolio, and he's like, oh, where did this come from? My, mo- my wife must have been tidying, and she just left this out here.
0: After he dropped it in the
1: chair. <laughs> yes. The Mertzes literally burst in. And Ethel's got this, like, I Dream of genie thing on, which I think is supposed to be a belly dance costume. Mm. And Fred has, <laughs> he's got his hand in a sock in, like, a snake charmer's basket. Yeah. It's, like, a whole thing. So, snake sock puppet. <laughs> yes. So they're doing this little dance, and he's doing, like, a little comedy thing with, like, the snake puppet grabs his nose. And the scout is like, no. No, he said, literally, the line is, uh-uh. Yeah, <laughs> and that goes on for a while and the Mertzes leave in sadness and Ricky is like oh man I'm sorry I gotta apologize for those people they're so inappropriate let me just put on a little bit of music so he puts on a little bit of music and he himself bursts into song because he's literally Ricky Ricardo and this song is called I'll see you in CUBA which is that's a lot and the guy's by the end of the song. This this performance is so aggressive, and by the end of the song, this guy just looks horrified. Yeah. <laughs> well, he Rook- just
0: wanted a free dinner, and yeah. all of these nuts have been like, yeah, it's just too much. And Ricky's <laughs> like,
1: you know, that's that's too much. I know you just want to spend a night, and the guy's like, yeah, thanks, that'd be great. And we just see this hand off can off screen that's just like messing with the the record player. Mm-hmm. She flips the record over, and then she comes out. In this whole belly dance costume, but she's got the veil over her Mm -hmm. face, naturally, because, you know, she's still got the beard on under there. So she does this whole dance... Also, she's very aggressive with the veil. She's just straight up whipping this guy at one point. <laughs> He's, like, flinching. Yeah. That was very And funny. Ricky, Ricky has the audacity to cover his face and be like, oh, this woman, she's so embarrassing. After what he just did to this poor man. And the guy is like, hey, you know what? You're actually not a bad dancer. We could do with some dancing girls, but I gotta see your face. And Lucy's like, no, you can't see my face. It's just, it's just a face. And then they chase her around and he he becomes enthralled. He's like, I've got to see your face. (laughs) And it's, horrifying and at one point Ricky's
0: such a fucking troll he's like yeah show him your face honey
1: (laughs) at one point this guy is chasing her with his arms outstretched like goddamn frankenstein and he's got I literally said oh my god grabby hands and so at one point she tries to jump over the couch and Ricky grabs her ankle like you know when your cat's trying to escape and they've got something in their mouth and you're like get back here that's exactly what it was like and uh he a lot
0: like a cat yeah
1: he unhooks her veil And Mr. Murdoch, who who's the talent scout, recoils in horror. So the last scene is Ricky comes into the bedroom because he's got a letter from Hollywood. And he opens it up and he says... And
0: Lucy's clean shaven by now.
1: Yes, yes. And he says he got a screen test for the main character. And there's a part for Lucy too. And she's excited and she reads it and she says, Well, I don't care what they say. I'm not going to play your dad.
0: (laughs) This was so much, you guys. You guys, I had to
1: pause... So many times <laughs> to catch up, and this is still like two pages of notes. It's crazy.
0: <laughs> you know, Lucy's costume was very sheer. You could see her little briefs under there. Yeah, it was very sexy. All right, this episode aired March seventeenth, nineteen fifty two, and was filmed February eighth, nineteen fifty two.
1: March seventeenth. That
0: is St. Patrick's Day, so not It is. Hey. A- and it was written by Jess Oppenheimer, Madeline Pugh Davis, and Bob Carroll Jr., and directed by Mark Daniels. And the episode was based on the My Favorite Husband radio episode, respective mustaches. Mm-hmm. And you guys know I like to tell you the differences between the plots in the radio episodes and the TV episodes when there is one. But I wasn't able to find this one and listen to it, so I wonder if it's one of those ones that's like a bit of lost media because I looked in all the usual places and I couldn't find it so I was a little bit bummed about that but from the plot summary I did read on the Everything Lucy website it seemed like it was pretty much along the same beats but with George not being a performer I don't know what the resolution to that would be but the plot summary didn't say so
1: Mm.
0: hopefully that audio file will turn up one of these days and I will Come back and tell you. Because <laughs> I won't be able to rest if I don't. But, anyways. That's true. <laughs> so, fun fact the night of the filming of this episode, the actors J. Carol Nash and our future Lucy Duzzy Comedy Hour guest star Bob Cummings visited Lucy backstage. Mm. So, that's fun. And Bob Cummings is in an absolutely clown shoes crazy episode. Oh, wow. And. <laughs> Speaking of, like, cultural insensitivity, that episode's called Lucy Goes to Japan. Oh,
1: God. And... That one's gonna have a content warning on it. Things
0: happen in Japan. There are probably gonna be a couple of different content warnings (laughs) on that one, honestly. But that's a problem for well into the future. I think that one's, like, the second or third to last episode, so we don't have to worry about that for a while. But, anyways... We got another mention of Fred and Ethel's performing background and Fred's former team, Mertz and Kurtz, which is fun because, you know, like I said last time, we'll eventually have an episode, and it's going to be a fun one. Mm -hmm. So John Brown played Mr. Murdoch, the talent agent. He was born in 1904, and he did a lot of work in radio. He's mostly remembered today for playing Digger O'Dell on the radio show The Life of Riley, but he also played... Al on my favorite radio show, my friend Irma. Ooh. And I actually didn't know that, that it was the same actor in this episode and on that radio show until I was doing the research for this. And I was so, like, I my face looked like the shock Pikachu meme because <laughs> I listened to that radio show quite a bit and I've obviously seen this episode a number of times. so I was just like, oh my gosh. And Al on that show is so funny because he's like borderline a criminal but like he's too lazy to be like that much of a criminal he has this catchphrase hello Joe and Mm. it cracks me up every time. That's a great radio show like if you are at all interested in radio sitcoms I recommend that one. What
1: year is that from? It's from the 40s Mm.
0: like mid 40s I don't remember the exact years but it was such a popular thing that they ended up making two movies based on it and the actress who plays Irma on the radio also plays her on in the movie hmm. but they got a different guy to play al than him because he was a little bit older than the character mm. he was portraying but martin and lewis are in the two movies so nowadays most people are like oh my god that was the first martin and lewis movie and i'm mm-hmm. like it was but it was also the my friend Irma movie. You movie yeah give my girls their credit um they also had a tv show which was Cool. I've never actually seen the TV show because I've never been able to find any episodes, mm-hmm. but the radio show is just Chef's Kiss. Mm-hmm. Great comedy. But yeah, he also did like a few movies. He had small roles in The Lemon Drop Kid because a... who didn't? Yeah, everybody. <laughs> and he was also in Strangers on a Train. No. And he went on to appear in the Burns and Allen TV show where he played Harry Morton, who was the husband to be Benedarrett's character and You'll recognize that name as our friend Miss Lewis from Lucy Plays Cupid, and also from My Favorite Husband. Unfortunately, his career ended kind of abruptly because Mm. he got blacklisted, like our girl Lucy almost did. So there's another tie-in, but not a fun one, a sad political one, and then he died in 1957. So that was sad, but he did have a really good career before that, so... Try to have good memories yeah. of that, and just go listen to the radio show. It's, it's very funny. He's the he's one of the funniest parts of that show, and that is saying something because every part of that show is funny, so. My Friend Arma? Yes. And just as an aside, the electric razor that Ricky uses is a Schick 20, mm. which is a model that was popular throughout the 50s. Nice. And that's about it for production notes this week. But. So I told you I had an observation about the eyebrow pencil.
1: As you <laughs> noticed, I'm I sure. To, like build up. Yes,
0: <laughs> as I'm sure you notice, Lucy's eyebrows and Ricky's facial hair yeah. are not the same color. No. It almost leads one to believe that that eyebrow pencil belonged to Ricky Ricardo. He already had the pencil, and I just want to say I support anybody who wants to wear makeup wearing makeup. I just think it's cute that he probably like popped down to the drugstore and picked the right shade mm-hmm. for himself and I support him.
1: Which brings me to my thoughts on this episode as a whole, which is bodily autonomy. If the yes. dude wants to grow a mustache, grow let him grow a mustache. Yeah, it's not a big deal. Just let no. him let him
0: grow the mustache, let him do what he wants to do with his body, his facial hair, what's gonna yeah. make him happy, what You put on your body, or, like, grow on your body, or any of that, like, that's your business, and it's to please you and only you, so, like, if you don't like his mustache, Lucy, I'm sorry, I would
1: love to side with you, but you were unfair this time. Yeah, like, and the thing is, is just because you don't like it, like, you know, maybe you will get used to it, or maybe he'll decide he doesn't like it, but, I mean, we're never gonna get there unless somebody's allowed to experiment
0: yeah, and also, it kind of, like, hugely doesn't matter because it's not that deep. No. Like, it's just a mustache. Yeah. <laughs> so, let him figure out his look. It's, yeah. It's fine. No. It was wildly kind of cringy and inappropriate, all of the dancing mm-hmm. and costumes. Yes. All of that was just, like, this show sure was made in the 50s, but... Aside from that, this isn't one of my favorite episodes, but I do enjoy how quippy and silly it is, because there were quips aplenty, and I do love a good quip, and that word sounds really funny the more you repeat it.
1: Yeah. (laughs) You've said it too many times, and now it's gone funny. Quip, quip, quip. (laughs) (laughs) But, yeah,
0: so, there were some unfortunate things about this episode, like... You pointed out not respecting a person's bodily autonomy is never cool, and all of the cringe, cultural insensitivity, mm-hmm. but other than that, stuff <laughs> aside, comedy is comedy's there.
1: Yeah. Yeah, there's so. some good. I mean, we, we always love a wig you can't take off. Mm-hmm. That's always, that's a special help. Oh, yeah. I've recently started wearing false nails. And my first horror was, what if I get a glue that's too strong, <laughs> and I can't get them off? And of course, in reality, what happened is I got squeamish about it, and now these fuckers keep popping off if you look at them funny. <laughs> and on the other hand, I'm like, I could glue them on stronger, but I'm like, no. <laughs> and this, this episode just reinforced all of those fears. <laughs> <laughs>
0: so, on that lovely note, pop culture? Yes. So I'm assuming you guys all know, like, Santa Claus and Uncle Sam, because we did give references to them. However, if you don't, and you would like me to cover those figures, you are free to contact me, and I will do a special episode. But the way that you have to contact me for that is by leaving a five-star rating and review on Apple Podcasts saying... I love your show, and I would like to hear you talk about Santa Claus and Uncle Sam, please. So, that's how we're going to do that. I love it. (laughs) So, Vigoro... When Lucy was like, "What are you gonna use, big girl?" That is a lawn and garden care brand. Well, I I'm, wonder
1: why not a familiar. Yeah, I'm
0: pretty sure they're still
1: available still are. today. Yep, still around.
0: Yeah, and they have like a popular lawn seed product that's supposed to make your grass grow like really fast and evenly and give you a nice lawn. So that is what Lucy suggested that Ricky use. And, okay, so it's killing me. I said that there was the Jonas Brothers thing that I was going to try really hard not to say. Yeah, she said she was
1: going to try it hard, and I was like, okay, girl.
0: (laughs) So, um, I'm a big fan of the Jonas Brothers. If you're going to judge me for that, then you just have bad taste and you can judge away. But when Ricky was trying to talk about his mustache, and Lucy was like, you can't grow a mustache. It reminded me of in the Burning Up music video when Joe was like, I can't grow a mustache. But then, you know, years later in real life, not in the music video, obviously, he did grow a mustache, so sometimes a first facial hair attempt doesn't work out, and then it does work later. How old was he, though?
1: Because Ricky's in his 30s. Okay, well, if it was 2008,
0: <laughs> and he was 19.
1: Okay, so this, but this is probably not Ricky's first attempt at a mustache.
0: No, but it wasn't Joe's first attempt either. Oh, bless him. Well, he was still young. He was. He was a baby. Yeah, so it it worked out later.
1: Now, I'm not as big a fan of the Jonas Brothers as you are, but... Few people are. True. I don't know (laughs) about Joe's hair density or ethnic background, but Ricky has got a thick head of hair on him, and it is dark.
0: Joe's got some pretty thick, dark hair, and he comes from italian stock
1: okay so probably probably on par he just wasn't (laughs) he just
0: wasn't you know like fully mature yet
1: ricky's gonna have a big soup strainer yeah mustache he's gonna have to work hard to keep that thing trimmed
0: i wonder if that's why desi arnaz never like grew a mustache himself in real life he was just like it's gonna be too too much much work."
1: work I'm already beautiful. You have to stay clean shaven. You gotta stay on top of it. Because mm-hmm. if you let it go, it's gonna go.
0: Yeah, and he couldn't be walking around looking seedy. He's no he's too like, put together for that. Yes. <laughs> 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 Getting it back on track. So the Smith Brothers, that was a company that made the first commercially produced cough drops available in the US. Hmm. Um, They first started making them and selling them at their own ice cream shop in 1852. Because, you know, back then...
1: You could buy medicine at an ice cream shop. Yeah. Ice cream
0: shop, drugstore, lunch counter. It was all the same place, and I love that for them. Soda bar. Yeah. They started selling them there, and then they didn't want anyone to, like... When they wanted to put their cough drops in other stores so that they could, you know, like, branch the business out, they didn't want people to, like, sell generic cough drops would be like, oh yeah, those are Smith Brothers. They wanted to make sure you were getting their product. So they started putting them in packages that had their own little logo on it, which, you know, that's what you gotta do. But um, the reason why we got the reference to them in the episode is because the logo on the package was the two brothers whose names were William and Andrew. And um, they both had really dramatic beards. Mm-hmm. So um, that's why she looked like a Smith brother and I also just thought this is funny when they got the logo trademarked they would put the word trade under one brother mm. and mark under the other so people for a long time thought those were their names They'd be like, oh that's
1: trade smith and his brother oh which is just cute. really funny <laughs> I wonder what year that was because beards were out of fashion from like the late 1800s until like the 60s
0: 1872
1: okay so it's right in that gray area yeah
0: yeah so they had their beards around that time and then i think they both died before or right around 1900 Mm. so um and then like their family carried on with the company and they kept the same logo because it was Mm. so recognizable so monty woolly he was an actor known for his trademark white beard and mustache and I think he was even nicknamed at one point the beard
1: which is cute. <laughs> they didn't go with Woolly?
0: Yeah. Oh my god. <laughs> it's kind of like, you know, just right gifted there. to you yeah. right there in the name. And that's not even like a stage name. Like that's his, his real name, name. name was Woolly. Yeah. I think his real first name was like Edgar, but Woolly is a real his real last name. So, he was born in 1888 and he attended Yale. With Cole Porter, and they actually became, like, great friends, and they would, like, hang out and get up to all kinds of shenanigans, and that's just, like, a whole other story. But he ended up becoming a drama teacher at Yale, and then he served in World War One, and he didn't start acting and directing until, like, the late 20s, so he had already had, like, three careers by the time he wow. became an actor. And um, he achieved some success on Broadway and in radio, and he's most remembered today for his role in the play The Man Who Came to Dinner and the movie adaptation of that play, which was like his biggest film role, his most well-remembered role. Hmm. But he also appeared in Nothing Sacred with Carol Lombard, hmm. Our Girl Lucy's Girl, <laughs> and in Dancing Co-Ed with Joan Crawford, who I've mentioned before. That's very restrained of you, I'm proud. I know. And The Bishop's Wife with Cary Grant, who I've also mentioned before. It's very restrained of you, I'm very proud. (laughs) I (laughs) know. And this next part I'm only including because it sounds delightful, and I think you personally will be entertained by it. When he was doing a lot of radio, he starred on this show called The Magnificent Montague. Aww. And he played the Shakespearean actor who had, like, fallen on hard times. So he kind of swallowed his pride and just took this, what he considered a demeaning job mm. on, like, a regular-ass radio show. And then he ended up becoming, like, a star. Aww. So his character is, like, having this reluctant stardom. And also <laughs> he has, like, a sarcastic wife. Nice. And a sarcastic maid. Nice. Nice. And it sounds really fun. I don't know if episodes of that are available anywhere, but I'm going to look into it because it sounds yeah, very interesting. Yeah, it sounds very me. It,
1: yeah. It's just very... It's just very me to be like, oh, I'm famous, but it's not Shakespeare. Yeah.
0: <laughs> I thought you'd get a
1: kick yeah, out of that. Yeah, it's dog roll.
0: <laughs> and um, apparently the actress who played the... His maid, his sarcastic maid... She was the original Alice Cramden on The Honeymooners. She was in, like, the first few Honeymooners sketches when Jackie Gleason was just doing it for, like, his variety show, Mm -hmm. and then The Honeymooners sketches got really popular, and they were like, we gotta have a whole show about this, and they made it, but they didn't let her be in the show, because keeping with one of today's themes, she got blacklisted. Oh, so, but she ended up actually. We're, we're in that
1: era. This, yeah. This is this is why we were so annoyed about that storyline in mm-hmm. the Cardos. because we're like, this is way more important. Like, they're passing it off like it's an annoying little thing that she yeah. has to go testify. In this front is going to be a
0: problem for right now, but like it could be a huge problem for yeah. forever.
1: It's just like, ugh. Yeah. And we have this bother with Hoover and whatever, and it's like, I'm not sorry McCarthy, but it's like, no, it was ruining people's careers, mm. like. They and literally, lives. literally executed people. Yeah, it's so it's a whole nightmare. But yeah, it's a really big deal.
0: This lady, luckily, and I forgot to write her name down because I didn't think I was going to bring it up, but then I was like, no, I have to talk about it. <laughs> That's the show. <laughs> she, yeah, I just always have to talk about everything. She ended up getting some roles again and her career, kind of. It was never as good as it was before that, but she did get to work again. So there was that but it it really did yeah. really ruin people's lives and end people's lives yeah. and careers and it was just horrible. But so that show sounds really fun and would be fun to look into. But on with the references. So I'll see you in C U B A and I have to tell you, when I watched this show as a child, Young Me was just like that is the height of wordplay. That right, is,
1: right. That is so clever.
0: I just... <laughs> it, I I couldn't believe it. But anyways, it was written by Irving Berlin in 1919, and it was... It sounds very yeah, <laughs> It was first recorded in 1920, and was first performed in the Greenwich Village Follies. And it kind of... I was kind of surprised when I first read that, because... I just assumed that it was like a song that either Desi wrote or was written for yeah. him because, like, who else? Yeah. But apparently, it is very him. Yeah, it is. It it really suits him, not just because of Cuba, obviously. But no,
1: but the style of the it. The
0: style and the way that he was able to really perform it up because he's Desi. It was, I think it's a fun little number. I like that song. So too many girls. I'm excited about this one. Yeah, <laughs> I clocked this one myself. Yeah. That was a Rogers and Hart Broadway play that Desi Arnaz made his Broadway debut in, and then when they made a movie version of the play, they took one Desi Arnaz to Hollywood to star in it, and that's when he met a
1: young lady named Lucille Ball.
0: Aww. So, very important story in
1: the Lou story. <laughs> Just slipped very subtly in there. Yeah.
0: So, a little taste of real life. The whole thing with that story is she plays this heiress who's going off to this, like, faraway college. She's leaving home for the first time. And her father, who's kind of, like, overprotective, and she also is kind of, like, prone to getting in trouble, so he worries a lot about her. He decided, for whatever reason, (laughs) that the best way to help her stay out of trouble was to send four big football players with her. Oh, dear. As her bodyguards. Oh, God. But secretly? So he was just like, yes, those boys who <laughs> also go to your school and not tell her that they were her bodyguards. And so she was like, why are you guys always hanging out around me? And they were like,
1: no reason. But
0: <laughs> it was their job to do so. But Desi was one of the football players, which is very funny to me because, God bless him,
1: he does not have a football player built. And it's funny it's called Too Many Girls because it sounds to me like there's too many boys.
0: There are too many boys. Because that's a lot. <laughs> so it's also really funny that they did end up, like, falling in love. Because their characters weren't a couple. And they didn't actually interact a whole lot in it. But, anyways. It was really funny because Van Johnson was also in the movie. He was in the chorus. And he had also been in the Broadway play. And he ended up becoming really good friends with Lucille Ball and Desi Arnaz. And he's future I Love Lucy guest star which is one of my favorite episodes but we won't get to it for a really long time so I'm gonna be good and I'll talk about it but um he <laughs> he said that everyone was kind of like taking bets on how long this little thing between Lucy and Desi mm. would last and the longest guess that anyone had was like six months Mm. which uh, they were together for 20 years (laughs) but uh, Van said that after a while he realized that they would last forever so also very sweet they kind of did just because they weren't married forever (laughs) doesn't mean that they weren't literally still in love with each other like that's a whole other conversation (laughs) (laughs) so that was that was fun and if you haven't seen that movie you should it's um it's interesting, but it's also cute. So. And we got another mention of the Copa Cabana, which we discussed in our first episode. The girls want to go to a nightclub. And I learned one more detail about the Copa since then that I want to share with you. The whole place was, like, you know, Latin-themed and, like, Brazilian-themed, and they had these showgirls. So what do you think was on the menu? Chinese food. I don't know why, but it's because of the 50s. Exactly. It's so funny I had to share that. And finally, when Mr. Murdoch says the thing about a stranded Major Bose unit, that's a reference to Major Edward Bose, a theater producer and radio host who was born in 1874. In the 30s and 40s, he had a show, a radio show called The Major Bose Amateur Hour which was basically a talent show where people would come on and perform their different numbers, which is funny that we're talking about an amateur hour now because our episode on the amateur hour just went live yesterday. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and his catchphrase was, round and round she goes, where she stops, nobody knows, because he used a will of fortune to determine which of yeah. all of the acts would come up and perform next. I used
1: to use that. I used to say that to my cat all the time. Not Cassie, but Maggie. Yeah. She was the love of my life, you guys. But I used to say that to her all the time. That's funny. Twirling her around. Yeah, I was a little kid. That wasn't very nice, but I was a little.
0: So fun thing about this and where the reference in the show comes from is that the better acts, like the more popular acts, would go on vaudeville tours all around the US. And since Major Bose liked these, like, military terms, because he was a military man, obviously, and he insisted everyone always call him Major Bose, which is just a (laughs) special kind of... Pretentious. Yes. I was going to say inseparable, but I didn't want (laughs) to sound disrespectful. But apparently people um, said that he was a real kind of no-nonsense hard-ass, and one day they'll go down there and meet him. <laughs> but, <laughs> how's the weather down there but um hot yeah Anyways. <laughs> Tilly that's where she ended up <laughs> so the, um major bows because he liked military terms he called his different groups that would go on tours units and he would usually have different units like several on tour ones so what is this a stranded major bows unit mm <laughs> A lot of acts that he discovered went on to be kind of famous, but perhaps, no, definitely the most famous was a young man named Francis Albert Sinatra. Oh. Or if you're not close personal friends with him, like I apparently am, Frank Sinatra. And I'm a little bit of a Sinatra apologist, but he is a problematic fave. But I'm he not was. A fan. Yeah, that's fine. <laughs> He's not for everyone. But he was one of the acts that was discovered on the show. and he Still was, impressive. Yeah, he was with this quartet at the time. And that's the Hoboken quartet. <laughs> which, if you're from Hoboken, what else are you going to call your quartet?
1: I mean, it's accurate. It is. So,
0: did we have any favorite lines?
1: Oh boy, did we ever. You guys, you gotta be so proud of me. I didn't let any of them slip that weren't like specifically important to the plot. I was
0: impressed.
1: Thank you. When uh, Lucy kissed Ricky and he said he just shaved, he said, "What's wrong with your upper lip? Is it out of balance?" And he said, "Oh, my mustache," and it was just very funny to me because we couldn't see it.
0: Yeah,
1: and then she Are said, "Oh yeah, you do have there. some whiskers there," and he said, "What do you expect, feathers?" <laughs> and she said she didn't like it, his mustache, because he looked like an eyebrow. With your mouth keep staring at me. <laughs> Um, it, well, this isn't necessarily funny, but when he said, this time I'm going to cultivate it, he looked so hopeful and proud. I was it was just like, very cute. Oh, let him keep his yeah. mustache. <laughs> and then later when he shaved it, he looked so sad. And I was like, that's terrible. Why it would you was... do that to your husband?
0: Especially knowing what a good puppy dog face he has.
1: Yeah. And then when Ethel liked the mustache and Lucy said, oh, she said, what's wrong with it? And Lucy said, nothing, Benedict Ethel. Yeah. <laughs> Down to nice. <laughs> oh, this is actually something I wanted to make. I wanted to reference, I wanted to do a, not a pop culture reference, but a thingy. When they were talking about how they had to have new letterheads made, and she said we could get his and hers mustache cups.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: I know what a mustache cup is. Yes, it's a teacup. If you guys have ever been antiquing, which I have once or twice, yes, if you ever <laughs> go looking in the anti- in the teacup section, which you should because bone china is the best. You'll find some cups that have, like, this little, like, ceramic lip. It looks like a sippy cup, but the, mm. the ceramic thing is inside the cup instead of on the outside. And it's got a little hole in it. That's a mustache cup. Yeah. And the reason why is because that little extra bit of ceramic protects the wax on the mustache mm. from melting into your tea, which is super gross. Yes. So, I thought that was fun. I was like, mustache cups! Fun. I kind of want one just as a curiosity, I, but I actually do, too, honestly. <laughs> the girl shaves her mustache, so... <laughs> I,
0: um, I was gonna mention them, but I wasn't sure, like, if I could make it
1: entertaining, but I'm glad that you got to share your knowledge. I gotta talk about most of- In the first, yes. no, in, the uh, Lucy Thinks Ricky's Trying to Murder Her, I got to talk about cold cream. Mm-hmm. So it gets some of my special interests in I think,
0: I think we didn't end up getting to use it, though, because we had to re-record it. Oh, that's true.
1: If you guys would like me to go on a rant about cold cream, leave us a five-star review yes. on Apple Podcasts.
0: <laughs> Specifically <laughs> Telling saying... <laughs> us how much you enjoy
1: our podcast and you'd like me to rant about cold cream because, oh boy, I can.
0: She can, and it's fun.
1: Yes. So, I think that's it. I think that's... Yeah. OMG, grabby hands. That was <laughs> where I stopped.
0: That was a special you quote. Oh, boy. (laughs) So I wrote down, darn it, it's still there. I thought maybe I could singe it off because that's just very silly.
1: Such a hot kisser. Yeah.
0: (laughs) And then Ricky explaining the relationship with this talent scout. My agent has a friend whose brother-in-law knows the talent scout's wife.
1: I was hoping you would write that down. I was like, I'm not going to.
0: So, I also wrote down when Fred said she's a little rusty around Cairo. Because yeah. even though that was attached to um, a less than savory moment, I relate deeply for reasons. <laughs> just reasons. And also... She's a real big fan of Egypt. Yes, that's the reason. Um, also, when Ethel said, when you two with that beard on, you look just like a billy goat. And Lucy goes, nobody but a nanny goat would notice it. Very funny banter.
1: And that's a very funny joke to me because my family nickname is Nanny. Yeah.
0: <laughs> because when my
1: sister was a baby, she couldn't say Diana. So I'm just, I've I've had a Nanny goat joke made at me <laughs> once or twice in my life. So I always appreciate them. <laughs> the funny thing about um, Ethel getting a little hitched around Cairo is because she said she was, they called her the Jewel of the Nile or mm-hmm. something like that. And I really thought somebody was going to make a denial joke. <laughs> and they didn't. And I was so proud. I was like, that is the lowest hanging fruit. I really thought it was going to be Fred. It could have been. Yeah. If it
0: would have been anyone, it would have been him. Yeah. But, yeah, so that's about all for the quotes. But So this episode is just bonkers. Mm-hmm. And it's one- another one of those ones that just takes so many turns Because you have no idea when Ricky comes in with his little tiny mustache Mm -hmm. that we're going to end up with Lucy doing a belly dance thing. It's just With the beard. Yes.
1: That she can't get off.
0: And she honestly, she looked so cute when she was dressed up like Colonel Sanders.
1: (laughs) She actually, it was funny. She's like, this is the only thing I can wear if people don't stare at me. And I'm like, with those lashes on? Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Like... (laughs) She reminds me of, who's that, there's that Australian choreographer, you know, the one who works with Drag Race? Matthew Anderson. That was his friggin' name. Yes. Excellent. Good. You guys have no idea how long that was paused <laughs> for was, me to search. There was
0: an interlude. So yeah, that was this is a really wacky episode. That's I Love Lucy for you, man. There's just so much going on. So. Yes. Did you have any
1: other thoughts, my coach? I don't. I think I I think I, I aired all of my grievances, and I celebrated all of the funny things. Okay. Yeah. So. And we had to dig deep into the memory bank.
0: <laughs> so, join us. Next week, we'll be watching and discussing the gossip, in which the Ricardos and the Mertzes roast the shit out of, like, everyone they know.
1: Yes! I can't <laughs> wait for that!
0: It is a fun one, not gonna lie. I, I very much hope you enjoy it. Thank you guys for listening and bye bye. subscribe to us on your favorite podcatcher to make sure you never miss an episode
1: and follow us on instagram at my favorite redhead on tumblr and facebook at my favorite redhead podcast
0: tweet us at my redhead or drop us a line at my favorite redhead podcast at gmail.com
1: and if you love lucy and you enjoy our show give us a good rating and review